Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy and the host of the show. This week, I am excited to share one of the most recent reviews, and there are some really great new reviews. Thank you all for taking time to, to stop and leave a review. I've actually been able to book some guests coming up because of the reviews, so you are benefiting from this. It's helping you to have a better podcast. If you've not left a review yet, take a second and go leave a review. This review comes from Sarah Sows. Sarah says, I love listening to Craft a Career. Elizabeth's latest episode featured Krista Watson and was full of ideas on letting go of imposter syndrome and following your dreams. Krista really talked about hit and misses in her quilting career, and after that episode, I felt encouraged to keep going in my pursuit of my quilt designing business. Thank you. So yes, this was episode 100. And Krista Watson did. She shared, it was such a fun episode. And Krista is very successful, but it was so nice to hear the reality of what it looked like for her when she went through some hard times in her business. Oftentimes we look at like, wow, look at where you are. But we don't talk about the struggles and the things that, you know, maybe didn't go so well. So I really did appreciate that in Krista's episode as well. So thank you, Sarah Sos, for that review. And this week, I have a guest on the show who is a friend of mine who we actually met because of the podcast. She reached out to me after an episode. I don't even remember which one. It's been a while now. And we've been friends ever since. And she has such a cool history and background in the quilting community. I don't want to spoil anything, so we'll jump in. You can listen to what what she's done. Uh, But she has had a really unique way of having success in her career with hosting retreats and teaching. And this is something that I've not done. And this was a very unique business idea. So I'm excited to have Verna of the Vintage School here on the podcast. And let's jump in and you can meet Verna. Well, Verna, I am so excited to have you here. You've been a dear friend of mine, and now I get to have you on the podcast. So thank you. I'm so excited, Elizabeth. I am honestly, I love the podcast, and I was so excited when I found it. And I don't think I started from the beginning, but I definitely went back and listened to every single episode. And every time I listen to it, I enjoy it so much, and I learn something. So I'm so honored to be a guest today. I am just I'm excited to to share a bit about my journey because I feel like all the folks that have shared, I've gotten something out of it. So it's exciting to think that I might be able to help someone else who's who's interested in doing something like this. So yeah, well, and for the listeners too, I hope they can appreciate you have such a cool style. So I have this pair of jeans here that you told me about from anthropology. And I've had people ask, where'd you get those? I'm like, oh yeah, Verna told me about those. And we both love the May like mice. And we just have like a connection over some of these kinds of things. We do. And I just, I'm really good at spending my friend's money. <laughs> hey, you need this. <laughs> yes, you are good at that. <laughs> just this weekend, I was quilting with two really good friends. And I'm like, oh, look at this collection. You might need to have this one. You know? <laughs> oh, I love it. But it's, 
I am glad. I forgot, actually, that you had reached out, I think, because of the podcast. And we have, like, become friends and connected because of that. So this is really fun to remember that. Um, But you have a really unique experience and history in the quilting world. And so I'd love, just from a bird's eye view, if you tell our listeners, what have you done in the quilting industry? Absolutely. So I... I started as a customer. I, I was intrigued by quilting and I wanted to learn how. And so I was just going to take a class at the local adult school. I didn't realize that quilting was this world out there. I'd done a lot of creative things. And luckily my mom, uh, had, she's a real estate broker and she had a customer and she went to do a sign off one night. Like they were going to sign some papers and the husband said, oh, no, no, we can't do Thursday night. That's my wife's quilting night. And she said, quilting, my daughter wants to get into that. She's interested in learning. And so that lady, very, very lovely lady, gave my mother three stores for me to check into. I convinced my husband to go to one of them because we were in the vicinity. It was like a half an hour from my home. I looked in there and I was like, whoa, I did not know these places existed. This is amazing. So I signed up for the very first class. I remember looking up at the quilt, the girl telling me, well, you have to start here. And I was already like, yeah, that's not the quilt I want. <laughs> but if I have to start there, I will start there. And so I took a 12-week course. It was a sampler course. And I learned the fundamentals of quilting. And it was the best thing ever. I was really lucky. I got to take this course from um, a local Bay Area She'd authored many books on the subject. She was an amazing quilter and just an absolute lovely person and so kind. And I just got an awesome start. After that, I was going to take the next course that followed and it was full. The, the place I would take classes at was really thriving and would always fill, their classes would fill. So one of the shop girls working in the shop, she recommended that I, that I jump into this drop-in class and, you know, just jump in. And I just remember thinking, I don't know enough to go into a class with these experienced quilters no you can do it you can do it and so I did and it was amazing there were so many women in that course that knew so much more than me and I'm like pretty gutsy so I just jumped right in head down started working about three months into like coming every week this woman looks over and she's like how long have you been quilting and I'm like oh this is my second quilt no way (laughs) so I got to know those ladies and I loved that atmosphere I think that was my first experience of realizing how giving the quilting community was they were willing to share supplies and tell you where they got a fabric. And, oh, wait, you can have this little scrap. I have enough left over. It was so nice. You know, they were just so warm. And the instructor that I had, she just was so, like, upbeat and uplifting and created this wonderful space for women to come every week and just, you know, have fun with their with their craft. And then after, um, you know, making several quilts, I was kind of doing a show and tell of something I had made. And one of the shop owners said, oh, my gosh, you should teach that, teach that as a class. And I was like, uh, I've never taught anything. But like, what? No, you can do it. You can do it. And she convinced me to teach a class on that particular quilt. Luckily, I had, you know, I knew enough teachers that had come through that I was able to ask a little bit of advice from one of the ladies that was super sweet and had a great following. And I just said, you know, help. I'm teaching my first class. Do you have any advice? And she said, oh, just give really great notes. It was the best piece of advice I ever got because that kind of was my first insight to like, I can teach people to do this, but they kind of need the written word to go along with what I'm saying to be able to follow up on. 
So that was my first experience as a teacher. I jumped in. I had six students in my first class. was so nervous. Two of them were the shop owners. I think I was more nervous about that because I felt kind of observed. Right. Even though one of them had encouraged me. And then from there, um, like about five minutes in, I was like, I think I can do this. I'm enjoying this. I actually think I might be kind of good at this, you know. I kept teaching. I built a really strong following of just students that would see my quilts hanging in the store, started taking my classes. I started making friends with them. Um, And I did that for several years. I also worked in that shop. When I first started taking the course, I was my mom's marketing director at a real estate brokerage. And and then it started like, well, I'll just work a Friday at the quilt store and every other Saturday. And then it became like, well, I'd like to work three days at the quilt store. And, you know, so it kind of slowly um, morphed into less at the marketing job and more within the quilt world. Being able to work in that quilt store opened my eyes to so many things. I was really able to learn the customer. I was able to learn the business side of the business, what it was like to order fabric and notions. Both of the um, owners were so kind. I think they recognized that I had a strong interest in it and they allowed me to sit with them when they would have fabric reps come and show the collections and what they would order and why they would order it. Um, just all of those things. Working with other real creatives in that store was really was really great because there was always a, a real strong energy of creativity. One would feed off the other person and we'd get so excited. Um, working together on things. That's awesome. Um, I also got to see a lot of teachers come through, you know, and so I got to observe their teaching styles and what they were like and which classes filled. Why did they fill? Um, who had a stronger following? Why did they have a stronger following? That kind of thing. So it was just like this wealth of information. And my mom um, always told me I was kind of a sponge. Mm-hmm. She said I would like observe and like sponge information. And I think that looking back on it, that's exactly what I was doing in that space. I I found something I was very passionate about, but I was learning and I was kind of discovering all these things about this industry that I originally had no idea was such a, such a big space. Um, I used to take different courses while I was working in the store because we'd have these amazing teachers come through. And so one day, two things um, that were kind of pivotal as far as my design like when I started to design, um, one, I was starting to get bored doing other people's patterns. I would kind of slightly change them up. Mm-hmm. I would always have people buy the pattern to take the class, but I would do like a little slight twist. Like, let me add this over here. Let me twist that up. And and then they would have to take the course to, to make that. But still, you know, um, buying the original pattern so that that designer was was being compensated. Mm-hmm. And um, had two teachers come, come through. Um, one... Um, that I, I remember this so vividly. Her name was Robin Pandoff. I don't know if she's, I don't know if she's even quilting anymore. She was an amazing fabric designer. She did a lot of beautiful applique patterns and we all wanted to take her course. Cause at the time, I mean, she was just like so popular and it was like, oh my gosh, she's coming to teach here. We jumped into the class. And the first thing she said was, I want you to take your pattern out of the package and I want you to turn it over on the back. It was kind of like a big open folded uh, thing. And she's like, I want you to draw your own pattern. And we all kind of sat there frozen. (laughs) And I looked around the room and I was like, whoa, like I have never experienced this. And I just remember thinking, I had this moment where I was like, what am I freaking out about? I actually know how to draw. Like, well, let me give this a go. So I started doing my own pattern. After that, I don't know that I ever really fully could submerse myself into anybody else's pattern. Yeah. Um, It was such a pivotal moment. 
The other moment that I had was with a teacher that I didn't have such a great experience mm-hmm. with. And that was my very first applique teacher. I was an avid piecer when I started. Lots of pieces. The more, the better. Lots of math, lots of pieces. I liked it complicated. And I just took an applique class because I thought I should learn how because I was working in the shop and I was afraid somebody would ask me a question about supplies or notions. And I wanted to like be able to answer the questions. I was in way over my head, like way over my head. It was like a Baltimore album quilt, which you should never start (laughs) there. And I was such a perfectionist that I literally cried real tears for not being able to do it because I was used to being good at stuff. But, and she was just really rigid, really rigid and really tight. And like, I just felt like I can't make a mistake. I'm not allowed to make a mistake. Later, looking back, I realized, yes, you are. I wasn't supposed to be good at it. Like I should have been allowed a space to create with less pressure. So I took that piece away for when I started teaching of like, nah, you got to create a space where people are comfortable and happy and calm and are allowed to make mistakes and learn. And that makes them feel so much more at ease in their learning process. So I started um, doing patterns. Um, You know, the first one was super duper hard. Like, oh my gosh, I thought my head would explode. Um, And I did in the beginning. Like writing your own? Yeah. My very first written pattern was a basket pattern. Of course, it couldn't just be like a simple basket. I had to do three different baskets, you know, um, in three different sizes. And like, it had to be very (laughs) complex. And I used, I had to use like 75 fabrics instead of four. That's just who I am. I have learned to embrace that about myself. Mm-hmm. I like it complicated. Um, but it was really hard. I, I just remember like, I'm never going to finish this. This is so difficult. I had no point of reference other than looking at books that I had learned from or patterns that I had worked from. Um, there was no class. <laughs> there, it, it was right. difficult. You know, it was really difficult. I did start with a, with a, pa- with a partner, very brief partnership. Um, and then, you know, she's a lovely person. But I realized early on, and I think you and I have spoken a little bit about our experiences with partnerships, that it just wasn't meant to be. I could tell that we kind of were on the verge of something good, and we were struggling to make simple decisions together. Like, we weren't on the same page. And I could just tell that maybe I wasn't wired to have a partner. You know, maybe that wasn't. And I also got pregnant with my first son. Um, and so I had to learn yeah. to be a new mom. My life was going to change. And it just seemed like the best decision was to step away. It was not easy. Um, there was a friendship broken there at the time, um, which was really hard, you know. And But looking mm-hmm. back, it was the absolute best decision that I had ever made. Um, fast forward a, a, yeah. about a year and a half. Um, I was pregnant with my second son. We had just moved into... The place we still live now, it was kind of like our dream town and one that we had saved for. And we were a young couple. I was, I think my older son was like a year and a half and my, I was pregnant with my second and we were like two weeks into our house. My husband came home and said, yeah, I, um, I got laid off today. And I was like, what? Oh no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then it was like us very calmly walking the neighborhood, taking the little one for a walk and just saying, well, what could we do? And I said, I think I know what we could do, and but you'd have to help me, you know, you'd have to help me with this. And so the vintage spool was born. That's cool. Hold on. I've got to take a minute here. So this was born out of necessity, yeah. but I love yeah. that it was in a time yeah. where 
I'm going to guess this was very scary. Yeah. You were like, I'm going to be the breadwinner here. So, yeah. okay, this is exciting. Well, I don't, I think I knew that my husband, he's a really hardworking individual and I knew that he was going to get another job, but I knew that we were going to have to figure something out in the interim. Right. Like, and I knew that I, that he was very smart and that we could, and I came from a line of like entrepreneurs. My uncle has his own business. My mother had her own business. I had actually started two businesses and then like just stepped away from both of like just not finding the right one. So I felt like this is something that we could do, but it was really important that he take me seriously. Cause I think the first time he just thought right, right. Oh, she's playing at being in business because we were like, it was funny. Like we would call on stores, we'd get in the car grab our little patterns, take our little samples and just drop in at a quilt store right. and say, Hey, you want to buy our patterns? There was no like real, like, you know, it, there, it was just kind of like, let's put ourselves out there and see what happens. Um, so yeah, it came from just that moment that could have been like major crisis mode. And the funny thing is within like two weeks, my husband had another job, but at that point the entrepreneurial spirit had been ignited and I had a business license and a business name. And I was like, okay, well, let's yeah. just go with this. Right. And my husband was super pivotal, both in convincing me that I needed to start designing for myself and in convincing me that kind of how to navigate the first part of the business. You know, he was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not taking money out to do this. You've got to design a couple. You've got to see if those sell. And then you've got to take that money and you've got to put that money back in the I business. Like it. And that's like exactly it. what we did. We never... We never took a loan um, to start the vintage school. We just kind of worked ourselves. And um, and that's where I was kind of going with the, the relationships being so important. My relationship with my husband and the fact that he is a silent support system. It's always been my, you know, my, I'm the, I'm mm -hmm. the face of the brand. <laughs> I'm the, the one making everything, but he's behind the scenes. And so I jokingly say, but it is true. Like I run a lot of things by him and I'll say, well, let me check with the boss. You know, like if a pattern's been retired and the folks want it back, I'm like, I gotta talk to the boss. Let me, let me let you know, you know, and I jokingly say it, but it is true. Like we've always together, you know, made these decisions, but in the beginning, I'm going to be really honest. My goal when I started my business was like, if I can pay for the family vacation, right? that's a win. Right. Right. Like I wasn't right. high. <laughs> But there was a point where I was like, whoa, like this thing's kind of taken off. I might be able to pay for a lot more than the family vacation. This is pretty, pretty exciting, pretty cool stuff. Um, my kids, well, my parents were amazing. My mom did anything and everything to support me in, you know, in my teaching so that like she'd watch my children on certain days of the week so that I could be teaching. When I started doing workshops, she would take them for the weekend, you know, like, they would do anything, anything and everything. I think at some point she probably even like folded fabric <laughs> or patterns. I'm sure she did, you know, um, along the way. And so did yeah. my husband, you know, so did my husband when it was like, holy cow, you know, we've got a deadline and it's busy and I need help. You know, they all jumped in and were super supportive. Um, then uh, once I, once I had, um, you know, I was going to do patterns. I reached out to a local printer that I knew he had, he had actually, we had, a, we had interviewed him to be our printer when I had the first business and it just, we kind of walked away, but he had taken so much time that I remembered, wow, this is a really caring individual who took a lot of time. Let me go back and circle back around with this guy. He must've thought it was nuts. Cause I was pregnant and I was like, I want to do this. And he's looking at me <laughs> yeah. like, you want to make what? And I remember fast forward, like 
several months when the business started booming, he, he, I remember him looking at me going, oh, yeah. what are you selling? <laughs> you know, like, I'm making a doing? what? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It all of a sudden got mm-hmm. a lot more interesting. Right. But he's, he's still my printer to this day, you know? Oh, um, no way. Uh, yes. Way. I, I have used the same printer, the same long armor and the same photographer since the day I started my business relationships. That is cool are super duper important. They are super duper important to me. So um, I think it's like those pillars, right? Those pillars of laying the groundwork for a a successful business with longevity, you know? Um, Yeah. It's it's just building a um, kind of a business relationship of trust, um, making sure they're doing what you need, being, you know, sincere and polite and getting what you need. Um, You know, I joke, but they'll jump through hoops for me. And it's because I'm very loyal right. and because I'm kind and because I've, you know, built this relationship with them. But if I pick up the phone and say, hey, exactly. I need this, like by this date, they're like, we'll do anything you need, you know? Yeah, that's invaluable. I mean, you can't just replace that. That is like years in the making. Yes, it really is. So um, after, you know, doing those, um, I did about six patterns and I did six more. I got um, brave enough to do a booth at the international quilt market. And that was probably in, I started the vintage school in 04. I think my first market was probably 05. Um, it was pretty nerve wracking, but I got really lucky. I don't know what made me ask for a slightly bigger booth. I asked for a booth and a half. And for whatever reason, I got prime real estate. They put me right in the middle of the show. And it was a lane where you had to walk the aisle to get to a very big fabric company. So I had amazing foot traffic. Awesome. Also had an awesome friend who helped me set up that um, that booth. And her advice was make the booth feel like a room, like a room, like make it, let's make it your studio, make it a space people want to enter and come in and just get more of something that really shows off who you are. And it really worked. Um, I got a lot of, um, a lot of foot traffic and a lot of attention at that show. And then, um, you know, I, in that show, I'm, I'm, I know I got at least one of my distributors from that show, maybe even another, I'm having trouble remembering because it's a long time ago. The other thing that happened at that show was on the third day, um, that was back in the day, like the day you'd go out and network a little bit, you know, and I think I knew that I had aspirations to do fabric in the future, but I mean, I had very young children with me. I think maybe even like they were at the show with me, like they, they, my mom traveled with me for them to be close by. And um, so I decided that I would kind of venture out and um, go just make some connections, you know? So of course I, yeah. I, I, looking back, it was actually so funny that I actually did this. Because what was I thinking? But because um, I had no portfolio, I had nothing. I was just like inquiring. Right. I just want to know, you know? So I approached um, the fabric company that I thought at the time was like my dream company, you know, and I just kind of said, you know, who do I need to talk to if I'm interested in doing fabric? And I knew one of the reps and she's like, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so. And so so I went and, you know, I kind of, excuse me, you know, hey. (laughs) And, um, and I just said, yeah, I was just kind of interested. And I got shot down in the most like, oh, really? awful way. Like it was brutal. Like, I don't think I've ever like, had... what did they say? Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> hey, no, I do. Bad. I really do. <laughs> oh 
we don't know who it is. So I was really approaching with the idea of, I'd like to know if in the future I wanted to do fabric, if you could give me some advice on what you'd be looking for, things like that. I had used their fabrics for many years, many years, and they were in all of my designs. So it just seemed like it would be the right fit. Here I am showing you what I can do yeah. with the fabrics, et cetera. And yeah, she was not kind. And it was kind of a... I mean, I, like I, the gist of it. Okay, so the gist was... Um, kind. Of, I, I remember it was like a hard no. And it was like uh, the last words I remember, and these are the ones that stuck with me, is you just keep doing your little patterns, okay? And uh, yeah, it was brutal. Oh. Like I said, it was like gut punch. Looking back, I don't know that she realized she was as harsh as she was or maybe how hard she it was for a designer to approach somebody that way. And also me, like somebody right. to just walk right up. Like I didn't have an appointment. I didn't have a portfolio. Yeah, I think it was it was just a gutsy thing to do. And I don't think she had any idea of the impact. The good news is by the time I got back to my booth after taking that hard blow, my girlfriend who was helping me said, hey, you have an appointment. And I said, what do you mean I have an appointment? She said, yeah, I just made an appointment for you. The owner of Free Spirit Fabrics was just here. She loves your booth and she wants to talk to you. And I said, what? <laughs> So I recovered pretty quickly because at the time, yeah, you did. Free Spirit was a very up and coming company. I knew exactly who they were. And I went and talked to her and it was like night and day. She couldn't have been kinder. She was so enthusiastic about my work. She loved what I was doing and she wanted me to try to create it in fabric. And um, so um, I sat with her, interviewed with her. We talked at length. I told her I, I wasn't expecting to be offered like a fabric company that early and that I have very young children and I'm not sure because I you know, you know, I had friends in the industry and I'm like, I know there's deadlines. And so she was super kind, super accommodating, go home, chat with your husband. And I remember going home and talking with Miguel and just saying, you know, I feel like this is like one of those opportunities that just doesn't come around like this very often. I think I maybe need to say yes to this. And so I did, I did. I said yes. And like, figured it out. You know, I had no formal training. It was not easy. Um, there was no, how did you do that? Like, how did that work? I can't it, even wrap my, so you were a fabric designer for free spirit, yeah, which is I a big lines. deal. I did lines for them for about 13 years. I think I stepped off. It was kind of a mutual decision right before the pandemic to stop, to stop mm -hmm. doing the fabric. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. I just adapted, figured it out. And, um, I was really lucky the engraver was super, super kind that worked there. And we kind of, you know, formulated the system and it just became kind of like a, like a system of how we do things. And then I would take my collections and create a pattern usually around them, usually one of my block of the months or things like that. But it wasn't easy because um, I was known as the kind of the more traditional artists there. So I kind of feel like I always kind of like stood out a little bit. Or maybe just didn't. Okay, like, I gotcha. just remember like when the booth would be up, everybody's would be bold and vibrant and everything. And my aesthetic was like so different. And I even remember like some of the, some of the reps saying, and this is our traditional artist, you know, <laughs> which yeah. just was like, it made me just feel even more like, oh God, okay, I don't really fit in, but you know, we, we figured it out. We made it work. It was a good experience. Um, I look at, back on it as a real positive but there are, are parts of me that um, it was very freeing to stop. 
doing fabric. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. How so? Well, because my work um, with the patterns, it's, it's really about using so many fabrics and so many details and trying to do that. And I think it did a pretty darn good job of it, but, but in the beginning, I think we were allowed maybe like, Oh, I don't know, maybe 12, 18 SKUs. And then slowly it started to go down. It was like 12 SKUs. And now the industry wants eight Mm -hmm. SKUs and my work, that's just really complicated to do with just so few SKUs. Uh, And I, I just kind of, that was kind of my aesthetic and my style. And that's what my customers wanted. And I think looking back, if you look at my patterns created before I did fabric for the vintage school, the the vintage school patterns, and after I stopped doing fabric, they are definitely, I think, my strongest work. That's very interesting. And I think part of that was, you know, the, the, the freedom and the ability to create from, and I describe it as this, instead of the, the crayon box that has 12 crayons, I'm now with 164, you know, that big box that you've got when you're yep. a kid and you're like, oh man, you know? And so I think that's <laughs> very freeing, you know, for me. And so I do miss doing fabric sometimes. Like I look back and, or every once in a while I'm hunting, 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 and I can't find what I need. And I'm like, oh, and I think about it. I, I do think about it. Um, but I don't know, you know, like it's also nice to now it's, the other part that I think was difficult is I love being my own boss. I love setting my own deadlines. I'm pretty organized. I'm pretty structured. I know what I can manage. It was difficult to work within a, a kind of a more corporate world where you kind of knew, like I knew a lot, like what would sell or how it would sell. And a lot of times it would be like every market there would be, you'd roll in like new peeps that you needed to meet, you know, the new sales, this and the the representative from this district and the, you know, the, the, the European such and such. And I mean, they were all phenomenal and really great, but you kind of felt like every circle we'd start over again. And it was just, um, just hard. Well, okay. I'm interested in this. So like as a fabric designer for AGF, I'm not meeting with anyone. So did you have responsibilities to like meet and try and promote your fabric? So, so they definitely, I mean, there were opportunities that would come up. For example, at the time, Free Spirit um, was a division of Coates and Clark. So my pieces were popular in Europe, for example. And so they'd want to have lines, you know, uh, in Europe as well. And so there would be opportunities that would come up of like, you know, uh, you could take this pattern and adapt it here or just different little opportunities like that. And I always just kind of felt like you didn't want to say no, right? You didn't want to say no, but I don't think, I mean, I understand that from their corporate world, they have numbers they're looking at, sales figures they're looking at. They have no idea how much time as designers we're spending Mm -hmm. on pattern designing, creating samples, photographing, all of that. So I always felt like there was a slight disconnect between the pieces. Um, and that, that was hard because I always felt like they just didn't get me. They didn't understand the volume of fabric that I could have moved had they embraced this type of pattern. And just if we get behind this artist with this type of pattern, it, it's mind blowing how much product you could actually move and sell. But I just never feel like that was something that they understood, you know? I mean, I feel like then there's potential for you to still do that. I mean, do you have your eye on like, well, maybe I would want to still do fabric. 
You know, I, I have thought about it and there was a point where, um, there was a, um, a changing of, uh, ownership with the free spirit company. And there was a point where we were, um, we thought that it would be no more. And so the artists were kind of in this odd sort of limbo period at which point we were being approached by other companies. And I was at that time approached by a company that understood who I was and was like, we could do X, Y, and Z. And I did think about it in that moment, but then this buyout happened and the artists needed to remain under contract for a period longer. Um, but it has always kind of been in the back of my mind. If I found the right company um, who really understood and also in like one of the things that I did not do, I look at it as both an, a mistake, but not a mistake was I was not on social media. I hadn't, I'd never used social media personally and I never used it for business mm -hmm. until just recently until like, kind of right yeah. before I reached out to you. It, it's mind blowing. Uh, you know, the, the connections and the, and the volume and the things that you can do using social media. So I look back and think, well, that was a mistake, you know, but I also think, I remember one of the reasons and I kind of watched some of these young designers and what they're kind of dealing with and going through. And I was never competitive with anybody else. Like I never looked at anybody else and said, Oh, I, I want to be her. But I was very competitive with myself. Like I always needed to do the best job that yeah. I could. And I think as a young mom and a young entrepreneur, it was, I was, I could sense that it wasn't good for me because I felt like if I saw people doing certain things, I, I might feel like, well, I should be doing this and I should be doing it. And it was always oh, yeah. like another bar that you needed to hit or another hoop that you needed to jump through. And um, I'm probably going to get a little bit emotional because my family is so important to me and I never, ever hmm. wanted to put anything before them, whether it was my husband, my children or my parents. Um, I just didn't, you know, and I just sensed, I think I sensed that that wouldn't be good for me. I'm just too much of like an overachiever, too much of like a, and it's just would have been like a bar that would be insurmountable. Yep. Always moving up. Always moving up, always constantly moving that bar and moving that bar. And I just don't, I don't know that it's, that it's healthy because I can even like, I can even think about like, I just recently had this amazing launch on this one particular pattern and inside I'm like, how am I going to top that? How am I going to top that? Like, that's crazy. Right? I shouldn't feel that way. I should be so excited, you know? Right. But that's just, right. That's right. Who I am as a human being. It's who I am as an individual. It's how I'm wired. Um, I think I've gotten so much better about it as I've gotten older. Right. Like you look and you go, yeah, I don't, they're doing that. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't need to do that. You know, right. <laughs> um, you know, but I think when you're younger, when you're newer in the industry and when you're kind of trying to figure out your niche, you know, and, you know, we talk a lot about niche and I kind of feel like I sort of found my niche after a little while. In the beginning, when I started quilting, I dabbled in everything. You know, I made a quilt out of flannel and I made a quilt yeah. that was primitive and I made a quilt that was batik. I made a thirties quilt. I dabbled in everything. I remember when I made one with kind of softer florals, something happened inside. Like I got very like, Ooh, you know, I got very excited and it sort of just kind of like that scope just sort of narrowed. And then it was like, yes, this is what I really like. This is what I love. I started with patchwork. I didn't even think I would like applique. There was a moment where I just realized, Whoa, this is like the perfect mesh of my skills. I'm great at pulling color and combining color I know how to draw and kind of tell a story in fabric. And, you know, I've got these quilting skills and now these hand sewing skills. And I find this technique really soothing. 
I spent a lot of hours perfecting my technique and then I was able to teach other people. So I think we find that niche, you know, carefully and, and, and kind of slowly. And then all of a sudden that, that it just narrows down and you go, this is, this is where I am. The interesting thing is when I started the vintage school, my slogan, and that was in 04, romantic and timeless design. And I was just looking at that the other day and I was like, yep, I'm still on target. That's exactly what the yeah. brand says. It's like vintage inspired. It uses soft color and there's a lot of florals and things that are pretty. And I mean, you can see behind me because you can see my space. My mm-hmm. space is very much that space, but I'm not really a girly girl. <laughs> like, Right, I'm, right. I'm not. Like I joke and I'm like, I would take, you know, pizza and beer over champagne in the opera anytime. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just not. I like a sports game and like, I like, you know, sticky bar floors and like, it doesn't, I have like, a, <laughs> I have like a design persona and then who I really am. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like not soft and delicate in any way. <laughs> but, you know, I love that exploration of the niche because so many times, well, for one, you've got to have one to have success, but people try to rush in or pick one and you just can't, you know, you've yeah. got to experiment yeah. and try the things and yeah. you'll figure out what you're drawn to. Cause sometimes it might be very different from your personality, you know? Yeah. And I've really learned to listen to my instincts, you know, with design, like I can feel when something's got to come out. It's like a feeling, you know, it's not an, even an idea. It's just like a feeling I get that kind of comes over me where I'm like, stop the presses. Everybody get out of the way. I got to, I got to jot this down. I got to put this <laughs> into a graph paper. I got to, you know, I got to pull fabric. It just sort of just, but you learn to, again, I think with, with time and with experience and with age, we get wiser, we get more tired. <laughs> I used to applicate until midnight. Yes. Now I'm like dozing off with an easel in my hand at 945. It's pretty sad. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, no, it happens. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah. Well, and I want to be sure to touch on too this aspect of teaching. I do not do in-person teaching. I have never, I don't know if I ever will, but it's been, I mean, it was kind of your foot in the door with having a career here, but it's also, you, we've chatted and you have talked about how lucrative that can be. So I'd love for you to just paint a picture of what this could look like for someone who is a designer. Absolutely. So the where it started to do more event style teaching, again, from my husband, um, I would get a lot of offers from guilds, come in, come to our guild, give a lecture, come teach a class. And it was just too hard with young children and like leaving. And I, I, I remember going to a market thinking I was going to come back to this very happy family. And it was just a disaster. Like, <laughs> My mother and husband got along great and I got back and they were just at odds. The kids were like all over. And I was like, okay, this probably isn't such a good idea. So my husband was the one who suggested, why don't you have people come to you? And I was like, oh, well, there's a novel concept. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I had, when I started quilting, attended the most wonderful event called the Liberty Gathering. And what the Liberty Gathering was, was this little town in Missouri called Liberty, Missouri. And they would get a bunch of teachers come and they would do all these little events around this time with all these students coming and taking these classes and they would do little kits and they would let you shop at the store special time and they would do dinners. And so I knew I couldn't do something as elaborate as that, but I love my town. And so I decided that I would work to figure out a way to get folks to come to me 
And so what I did is I started teaching these workshops, these retreats that we called them. And I found a space where part of the space was a classroom and the other part of the space was a mini store. And the women loved the mini store because we would rope it off and we would fill it with all kinds of treasures. And those attendees often got first shot at one of my pattern creations and they were really lovely because they were total guinea pigs sometimes. I'm like, okay, there's no photograph, there's no pattern cover, but you're going to get the insides of the pattern and you're going to have a kit that goes with it. And they were just thrilled to like be there and excited to be part of it. We developed the most amazing community of people that would just continue to come back. And then they would bring friends the next time or family members and they would bring their husbands and the husbands would go hiking or golfing. I mean, it was just super fun. Um, Super fun. Uh, And I, just realized early on in those workshops that many of the folks that were there were not necessarily coming to me for instruction. They were coming to me because I created a space where they could do something they loved for several days without interruption, without the stresses of their own lives, whatever those might be, whether it was, you know, taking care of young children or caring for an elderly parent or work stresses And they could do it amongst other people that were doing exactly the same thing. And we're so happy to be doing it. So I think just creating that space allowed folks to just be like, this is so much fun. And then I also worked in um, conjunction with both my local quilt shops and it brought them a lot of business as well, because we would go and visit their store, little private showing, little private shopping tour. Um, They would welcome them with open arms and give them little treasures. I mean, it was just so much fun. And those teaching relationships, both from the early days and then through the workshops, I believe that those are forever long-time customers. They still reach out all the time. I still see, when I do a pattern launch, I still see their names coming through. I'll get sweet emails. They'll share photos. Um, They'll send Christmas cards. I mean, it's just um, a lovely group of people um, that... I've met over the years and I just have so many, so many beautiful experiences with my customers and my students over the years. I'm going to share one because it just totally stands out to me. It was just a moment yeah. that I did something for a customer that probably most people wouldn't, but it paid off in droves later on. Um, I had young children. This woman called, she needed help picking fabrics for one of my quilts and she was local And she asked if I would meet her at the store, the local store, and help her. Most people would have been like, yeah, lady, I'm sorry. I I just can't do that for you. Um, And I remember I needed to go somewhere with my husband. I was like, you know, Miguel, I just just need to do this. Something tells me she's so kind. I just just need to do this. I'll do it as quickly as I can. (laughs) And so I went Mm -hmm. and I met her and I helped her pick these fabrics. And at the time, it was my most difficult, most popular pattern. It's like a very heirloom pattern. It's called Vintage Valentine. It, it totally like just kind of put me on the map. Like it was that big of a mm, pattern. Cool. And at the time she's like, you know, I want to make one of these for every one of my grandchildren. <laughs> I was like, lucky I made Ooh, one of those. How many grandkids? <laughs> yeah. I just remember inside going, sure. Yeah. Okay. But right. I kid you right. not. Fast forward. And that pattern was my second pattern I ever released. So that pattern came out in 04. And um, it came out in 04. It was one of the original six. Fast forward to the year that I lost my mom. And I'm at a local quilt show. And my booth is up. And it's really hard to just put that 
that face on because I've got a lot going on behind the scene. And I'm approached by a woman and she says, I don't know if you remember me. And immediately I, I recognize her face and she's like, I'm the lady. You helped me pick my fabric for my very first one. And she pulls out a photograph and I kid you not, it's four granddaughters, two on each side of her, each draped in a vintage Valentine quilt. And oh I was so moved. Did you cry? I would have. It just, oh my God, I lost it because I had just lost my mom and I knew how important my yep. kid's grandmother was to them. But it was just, let's look at a light, like, oh my gosh, you know, like, wow, wow. <laughs> you know? That is so cool. Yeah, we crave that. I feel like so yes. much, like with social media, with, and it's not going away, you know, if anything, there's artificial intelligence and it's, yes. but we are, we're social beings and those social connections, it's priceless, you know? Yeah. And I love the idea of having something where people come to you so you don't have to pay for the travel and all that. You can be close to home. It's feasible for you. And it's yeah. a fun getaway for the people who are coming. Yeah, they came up with a local. It. As soon as you said like a private shopping event, like it sounds oh, yes. very like chic, you know, like, ooh, well, also, <laughs> I like that. They also got a goodie bag that I would take good care. They got, we every table had a door prize that was the arrangement on the center. So they would, you know, I'd change them up every, every time. Cause we'd have a theme, you know, whether it was Easter or Paris or, so the centerpiece would always be theme related. And then they were going to be door prizes that they could win. And, um, we always did one, um, fancy day of food, which was like a tea or a luncheon. And it was always, the, you know, on theme, they just felt so special being there and they looked forward to it so much. And they really enjoyed their time. You know, it was a ton of work on the back end, I will say. I would love when people right. be like, have fun at your retreat, you know? And I was like, it is fun. But <laughs> having the fun. I'm doing the work, you know? Right, yeah. It was, it was, it was I honestly and, recommend it. Yeah. It, and lucrative? Like, it, it's very. not a money pit. This is something that you earn money with. Oh, yeah. Because you had the, the fee that they would pay to attend the workshop, the... Um, especially if you were doing a project that would kitted. So you'd have the kit that they would pay for to do that. And then this is something I learned very early on. And, and it's the reason this came is because I taught a workshop for another shop out of area. And I had these students for three days and those students were at a hotel and they would leave the venue to go find quilt stores and go shop. So they wanted to buy stuff. Mm. And I'm like, and it was a yep. quilt shop. And I'm like, why do these people not have product in here? Why are they letting this live mm -hmm. customer that they have for three days go elsewhere? <laughs> so I remembered that. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is a live audience. And my, my assistant at the time would tease me. She's like, Verna, you could hold up a number two pencil and those girls will just flock to the <laughs> store. And I never sold anything um, that I didn't use myself. But, but for some reason, like mm -hmm. when you're demoing, it's right there. They need it. They want it. And they're there to spend money. I remember going to the International Quilt Festival the fir very first time. And I remember standing out in front of the Houston Convention Center. And there was Greyhound bus after Greyhound bus lined up outside, all full of quilters. And I remember how much money I had in my pocket. And I was not wealthy. And I had $1,000 in my pocket in cash. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember thinking, that's a lot of thousand times, you know, all these buses 
and people, they go to spend money. That's what they want to do. They want to buy their products. They want to buy their kits. They want to buy the latest fabrics. What notions are new? We love this. We spend all our time yep. doing this. Of course we want to spend money on it, you know, like, so as a designer and as an entrepreneur, I think you always have to think like, I, if I didn't want to make money at this, I could have just kept it as my hobby. I've always thought of this right. as a, this is my career. This is my job. I don't feel guilty or bad for making a living. I work really hard at this. And like I said, I will never promote a product that I haven't used. I will never try to sell you something that I am not behind or that I don't think is going to improve your um, your quilting experience with my patterns. Early on, I set out, I, I worked off a lot of patterns that weren't very well written. So early on, I'm like, no, no, no. I, if I bought, if I write a bad pattern, people are just going to buy the first one and be like, well, it was really pretty, but gosh, that pattern was terrible. You know, they're exactly. not going to buy another yep. one. So I set out to try to write yep. the best possible pattern so that people would buy that one and the next one and the next one and the next one. So I don't know. I think yeah. I've done some things right. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, you have. Well, and you've been in this longer than I have, you know, like you've been doing this for, I remember when you reached out and hearing the things you'd done, I was like, wow. I mean, that's a whole lot of knowledge that I don't have and experience and these live events. And it's just, I love that you're unapologetically like, this is my business and I work hard at this and I I work hard to bring forth a good product and I am yeah. not apologizing. When I expressed interest in, you know, doing this, when he saw my passion, my brother, again, life-changing moment, me this book called The Business of Bliss. And it was all these mm-hmm. women who had taken their hobby and created a business out of it. And I read it cover to cover. I remember thinking, yes, yes, <laughs> you know, I think I can do this, you know, and that was a, a life-changing moment. It really was. It wasn't without mistakes or without that. hard work. I mean, in the early oh, stages, sure, yeah. I was recently taking a class and I was just so touched by this designer that was taking the course and she had her newborn sitting on her lap. And I can remember like in the early days, how important it was for me to make sure my kids never felt in any way neglected or or jealous of my work or my business and so I would incorporate and include them as much as possible they were always right with me side by side I would let them in the early days I would let them decorate the house with fat quarters you know like here you go these are what you can touch but over here these are mommy's tools that are dangerous we don't touch the rotary cutters things like that as time progressed then they would um, come to the workshops and they could help the ladies you know, they walk around and give the little numbers for the ladies to do their um, their door prizes. As they got a little bit older, then they could actually write things on the ladies' tabs because they were getting older. As they got a little bit older, then they could work the cash register, you know, um, and so on and That's so forth. That's awesome. Um, it was awesome, you know. So, you know, it's it's difficult. I work from my home. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. I've thought at times it would have been really nice to have an office to go to. When I'm in the, right. in the laundry room <laughs> trying to take a call with a customer praying that my kid doesn't cry in the background, you know, in the early days. But luckily, yes. most well, of our yeah. customers are moms or, you know, dads and have um, those same. And nowadays, you know, with everybody working from home, I think people are more used to it and whatnot. And my third child who has just yeah. stepped away, my, my dog, Oliver, who I don't know if you him a little while ago he was, he was making a hard sell for an early lunch 
and um, and I was trying to keep talking. I know I didn't hear that actually. That's good because I was trying really hard to like just talk over. It's crying, but I love too how you're able to show your kids this thing that you're passionate about that you don't have to sacrifice that you can you know be a mom and and involve them and let them see this thing that you're passionate about and I really like that but I thank you for coming here and sharing your experience particularly I mean your story of the things that you've done but this idea of teaching doing these live events it's very very fun it sounds like a a party and I would love to go to one so (laughs) so okay for our listeners if they want to come and see your things and all all that you do where can they find you so right now I am not doing any in-person uh teaching events I may start that again in the future unfortunately that was kind of curbed here in California during the pandemic so I did take a step back from that Mm. But for right now, you can find me on my website, thevintagespool.com. And you can find my daily goings on on Instagram at thevintagespool. I love to share works in progress and kind of what I've got going on, which has been really fun. Um, I never used to do that. And Instagram was kind of giving me that space and kind of like I've gotten a little bolder with it. And it's been great. I get a lot of really great feedback. And I think people enjoy watching the journey. So if you want to kind of Long and see what I'm doing. You can definitely, you can definitely find me in those spots. But I really appreciate you having me as a guest today, Elizabeth. I love what you are doing and sharing with the industry, and I'm just thrilled to be able to be here today and share a little bit about my story. And hopefully, it will be inspiring or helpful to somebody who's who's in the mix or thinking about starting. You know, and I'm always open to, to people reaching out. Uh, I'm, I I try hard to. Um, give back to younger designers because I was really lucky that I had a few people that just gave great bits of wisdom and advice. And I know how hard it is to not know anybody or to not know if you're doing the right thing. So I always encourage folks to reach out. Yeah, You are. I mean, you've just been such a sweet, sincere friend to me. I mean, it's like you have a gift for connecting with people and genuinely caring and So, yeah, thank you for being my friend, for reaching out and for being willing to share this. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. I love it. I think I reached out because I sensed one time just a little hesitation on one of your podcasts. And I was like, no, keep going. You're doing great. I love what you're doing. I want this to keep going. I want this podcast because I enjoy it so much. So so I'm glad that I reached out that day and we connected. And I look forward to meeting you in person finally this year. Same. I can't believe we haven't met in person. I I I know. There's people who I'm like, oh, no, we've met. We've met, but we haven't. So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. Yeah. Thank you. We'll see you. All right. Take care. Verna, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. It was so fun chatting, as always. And we just got in touch the other day. She was telling me where her son got into college. She's just such a fun person and so talented. I, If you haven't seen her Instagram, go take a look. She's got such cool applique. In fact, little spoiler alert, if you're in the Quilters Candy membership, she is preparing a brand new applique pattern just for us coming up in a few months. So go take a look at her lovely designs. And Verna, thank you so much for being so open and sharing your business ideas and your story of, you know, how you've grown your business. It was just so much fun having you. 
It was lovely having you on the podcast. So everyone have a wonderful week. I'll see you right back here next Friday on the Craft a Career podcast. Until then, take care. Bye.